The following podcast will contain adult language and heavy spoilers. It is intended for a mature audience. Welcome to our very first episode of our Map to Mulholland Drive, or Map of Mulholland Drive, here at the Cinema Recall Podcast. I am your host, your chauffeur, The Vern. Joining me uh, again is a good friend of the show, Jason Soto of Whatever with Jason Soto. Hello, Jason. Hello, Vern. What's up? Hello, what's up indeed? And returning back to the show uh, for being away for a little while, Ryan Luis Rodriguez of the Reels of Justice podcast, as well as Quintus Chronicles. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Vern. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, sir. Now, both of these gentlemen are with me right now to travel out to California. We are going to solve the mystery that is Mulholland Drive, David Lynch's Mulholland Drive, and we're kind of going through this movie scene by scene, chapter by chapter. I uh, really want to have people understand and decipher this movie because it took me several watches of this movie to <laughs> decipher it. Um, and now, Ryan, yes. h- how many times have you seen Mulholland Drive? So I am only at two viewings. Okay. But I think I have a better handle on it now than I did in my first viewing, which was kind of a like a revelatory experience the first time I saw it. Well, I think it's in the same way for everybody when they first saw the movie. It's just we are just completely blown away. Uh, and I kind of took everything at face value when I was watching this. Uh, now, it's clear to say, Ryan, that this was not your first David Lynch movie watching. No, no, that would be Blue Velvet. Because that was back in high school. I didn't watch this until about four years ago, maybe three. Okay. When I really got into a big David Lynch kick. Gotcha. And what would you say is your favorite David Lynch movie? Can I cheat? Well, you can do whatever you want to, buddy. Okay. Twin Peaks The Return. I heard that's... an 18-hour movie. But they call it a television series. It's not. It's an 18-hour movie, and it's the greatest thing ever. I hear a lot of people talking about that show, saying it's like the greatest thing ever made. And I'm so excited. I am about two episodes away from finishing season two of Twin Peaks. Then next week, I get to go to the theaters to watch Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Nice. And then afterwards, on the Criterion channel, they have... The Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me with all the deleted scenes. There's like two oh, hours nice. of deleted scenes. Yeah, the missing pieces, I believe they call it. Yeah, and then I can go and watch the the new series. So I'm kind of doing everything in order. I may have to take a break and watch like another TV show when I get done with like Twin Peaks and the movies. Just give that a little break right there. But then I'll get back onto it right away. It'll be like a symbolic break, like how we had to wait 20 years for the season to come in. You just have to wait a week. That's all. Very much so. Um, 
before we dive into uh, the first section of Mulholland Drive, I do want to give some quick shout-outs to people who retweeted our last episode, our first episode, uh, where we had me and Jason Soto talk about our favorite David Lynch features. So I got to yep. give a shout-out here to Via VHS, Horror Dads, Mutant Theater, Shots and Applaud, Nostalgic Podcast, Your Next Favorite Movie, Let's Chat Live, Howard Kasner of Pop Art, and Science Fiction Revenant. So thank you very yeah. much for retweeting and sharing episodes. And a bunch of nice people shared their thoughts on their favorite David Lynch movies. And I'm going to talk about those at the end of the show. So if you're expecting to hear your name now, you'll have to wait until the end <laughs> of the actual episode there. Damn uh, it! Oh, man. What a tease. I'm angry. I'm angry. Now, I don't know if you remember this, though, but uh, when I had the DVD of Mulholland Drive when it first came out, they gave you ten clues. Yes. Right. Yes. To unlock in this movie. And I wrote these down. Well, I didn't write them down. I copied them because I wasn't going to try to write down each one. Uh, But here they are. Here are the ten clues to unlock this movie. And we're going to use these as we watch the movie, possibly. So the first clue is pay attention to the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Two clues are revealed before the opening credits. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And second clue, notice, notice appearances of the red lampshade. The third yep. clue, can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? All right. Uh, yeah, next one, number four. Uh, an accident is a terrible event. Notice the location of the accident. And number five, who gives a key and why? Number six, knows the robe, the ashtray, the coffee cup. Yep. And seven, was felt, realized, and gathered at the Club Silencio. And, uh, eight, did talent alone help Camilla? Nine, notice the occurrences surrounding the man behind wikis. And finally, number ten, where is Aunt Ruth? All right. Uh, Now, as I mentioned before, this was based on a pilot. And apparently, after David Lynch gave the pilot to ABC, the executives there just had nothing to do with it. Um, Originally, Mark Frost and Lynch... Uh, we're going to do, like, a series on Marilyn Monroe, but Lynch didn't want to dive into anything too realistic for that. Uh, and, so I have... oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, this originally began life as a spinoff of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. for uh, the character of Audrey Horn, who uh, gets, well, actually, I'm not going to say because you haven't seen the end of season two yet, but uh, strange things happen to her that will continue to reverberate throughout the series, but it's fascinating to think that maybe in a different timeline, this could have been starring Sherilyn Fenn, which is a weird thought to have. Yeah. You know, that's a good thing too, because when you look at Sherilyn Finn, uh, she does have sort of that Norma Jean, Marilyn aspect. It's, she's like Marilyn Monroe, but with, like, with a brunette hair. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but it wasn't until so once that series failed, uh, there was a French producer named Pierre Elliman, who was one of the heads of Studio Canal, and he saw the pilot, he dug it, and then decided to put up the money 
and I gotta say, right off the bat here, I don't think Mulholland Drive would work as a series back then. I don't think it would work now as a series. Do you think that it would work as a series? I think it would work now in the age of streaming. I don't think that it could have survived on network television, though. Like, not even possible. That is true. Like, oh, you're saying if you had to like binge all the episodes all at once? Yeah, like if you could yeah. come to it at your leisure and you didn't have commercials, I think that you could actually have something that sustained like a vibe and sustained an audience. But this this is a pre-lost time where people actually got into spending actual money for serialized stories. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it would have worked at the time. Yeah, I don't know, Jason, yeah. what do you think? That's a, that's a fair point. Um, I think it, I think it's good as a movie. Um, because I can't see it. If it were a TV show, I can't see it going past one season. Like, what would like extended season of this whole story be? I mean, everything gets wrapped up pretty, you know, tightly towards the end and everything. So I think it's I think it's better as a movie. I think it would have to look like season two of Twin Peaks, where eventually <laughs> David Lynch kind of leaves and kind of leaves everything in charge of somebody else, and then it kind of goes to just nonsense for like five weeks yeah but you never know i mean maybe he learned something from that experience i don't know i guess we'll never know that's true that's really yeah. true uh what we're gonna do right now folks is we're gonna just take a quick little break i'm gonna play some ads from some amazing podcast shows that you should listen to and then we'll be back to talk, to talk about the beginning of Mulholland drive after these messages we'll be right back was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is the Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners, so if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this minutia here. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut up, shut up. God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by during the This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Let's Chat Club. Find out how you can become a member by going to the website letschatpodcast.net. an accident. A car accident. From David Lynch. 
the director of Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet. Could be someone's missing. The girl is missing. I just came here from Deep River, Ontario, and now I'm in this tree place. You don't know where it came from. Oh, by the way, those two detectives came by again looking for you. Someone is in trouble. Something bad is happening. Now you got me scared. There is no band. And yet, we hear a band. Silencio. I remember something. What is it, Rita? What is it? What do you see? and drive. That's where I was going. Diane, the car's waiting. You coming? Alright, everybody. We are back. Welcome back to the Cinema Recalls map of Mulholland Drive. I have uh, my two navigators here. Jason Soto of The Wonderful Podcast, Whatever with Jason Soto, as well as Ryan Luis Rodriguez of The Wonderful Podcast, The Reels of Justice, and The Coolness Chronicles. Uh, now, <laughs> you just heard a small little trailer of the movie. Now, Mulholland Drive begins with the opening title credits of the studios. Now, I should notice, too, that Mulholland Drive would probably be the last movie that he would make with a major studio, especially mm -hmm. one like yeah. Universal. Yeah. Right. And after the title credits, we get these people dancing in front of this <laughs> purple screen. Mm hmm And they're dancing. We get these superimposed shots of Betty, played by Naomi Watts, and she's there with two older people, and she's all smiling and happy. Um, and then we get a sequence where we see a POV shot of someone waking up, and they're just kind of like waking up from somebody, from something, and then laying back down their POV shot of like going into the pillow. Uh, now, I know when I first watched that movie first time, I had no idea what that was or where I was. Yeah, <laughs> it, it disorients you right off the bat. I mean, with just the dancing, it seems like a deleted nightmare sequence from Swingers, <laughs> but it's actually from this movie, which is strange. But yeah, it, it, it immediately throws things at you and tries to, to discombobulate you as much as possible. So hats off. Now, if that's what you were trying to do, you did it. Now, in the TV pilot, this scene is not included. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Yes. So... Uh, after you see the face going into the pillow, and it took me several times to understand that this was actually a face going into a pillow, I had no idea. But it is someone, like, waking up from one dream and going into another. And since we are reviewing a movie that's nearly over late, I would say 20 years old, uh, the part of the dancing sequence... That is a sequence that uh, Diane talks about at the end of the movie, saying that she won a jitterbug contest, which led right. to her acting. And so this is like basically Diane's dream of like dream of one dream, waking up and going to another dream. 
this is where and she we has get... the whitest possible dream possible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jitterbugs and square dances and da, yeah. da, 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 da. we all dream yeah. about. Ha- we all dream about swing dancing. Remember square dancing at your elementary school or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. My least favorite part of PE. All right. You know, for me it was college. So, you know, it's like a mm. very kind of embarrassing point there. Uh, but after this, we get this sequence where uh, Laura Elena's character is in a car and we have the credit sequence. Now, in the pilot that I saw, there was a lot more names, and they had special guest stars. I didn't realize this, but Ron Howard was one of the executive producers because this was going to be produced by Imagine Entertainment. That's right. Um, and so we did the sequence of the uh, Laura, Laura Elena's Heron's character in the car. The, she, the car stops. She says, we can't stop here. Guy pulls a gun on her. And then there was like uh, kids doing some sort of like drag racing or just driving they're fast. Just, just and hollering down Mulholland Drive. I don't know if it was even drag racing. They were just it's, like, it's a scene straight out of the Jeez. opening of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> except there's no CGI gophers in this film. Thank God. And no one's stuck in the refrigerator. Yeah. Well, that's a missed opportunity. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. She gets into an accident with these kids. The car is destroyed. She comes out. Uh, we're not, it's not really known that she has amnesia yet. And she makes it to this home of this lady who is going away and decides to hide out there. But before that, we have a sequence with two cops mm-hmm. investigating um the accident and what's going on with that. So what's your take on those two cops? Because they're only in this like one scene. Yeah, that's the part that bums me out that this didn't go to series because one of them is Robert Forster, who yep. was the fucking yep. man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that clearly uh, Lynch knew that that character would come back and have some kind of bigger role in it because otherwise you don't, you don't go to those actors unless you're going to give them something to kind of like chew on. Yeah. But as it is, he vanishes after a single scene, and he's only referenced after that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but, exactly. Which is a hell of a thing to do to Robert Forster, because when he shows up at the beginning of your movie, and he's not in every other scene afterwards, I get a little sad. That's <laughs> true. And I do know that in the TV pilot, there is an additional scene with him there, because I imagine they were going to use that detective in later episodes if this did go to a series. Yeah. yeah. If they mention him like halfway through like hey those detectives were by mm-hmm. but then that's it and then we never get to see him yeah yeah uh so then we're at the moment where uh the character played by laura elena helen sorry i wrote this down laura elena heron ah, people with three names weirds me out okay <laughs> so she gets to the home of this lady who's like going away on a trip and she manages to, like, sneak into her place. I gotta say, kudos on you to be able to sneak into someone's house when they're, like, right there. Yeah, that's not easy. It. You gotta give credit to that. Well, yeah. I mean, especially to, like, hide in their kitchen. And, like, right there. And she doesn't, like, look down. I mean, she grabs her keys. She doesn't see anything. Most people, especially uh, the way the lights were, you expect to see some sort of, like, shadow or something. 
Yeah. I've learned from uh, my personal experiences that you always want to go into their crawl space, never their kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Keep this in mind when I'm visiting your guys' home, go into your crawl space. Well, as long as you don't mind the smell of dead bodies, you'll be okay. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Nice. Um, All right. Now we get into, like, kind of, like, our first main scene that I want to talk about, and it's the diner sequence at Winkies. Uh, yes. So we're introduced to sort of, like, well, our the first character that I associate myself with when watching this is the girl that got into the accident, because we're kind of, like, following her, and she doesn't know where she is, she's very confused, and she gets to the home of this lady, she's hiding out there. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, this is going to be our main audience focal point. But then we cut to the scene where these two guys are sitting at this diner, all right? And Mm -hmm. um, one of them has this dream where he's at this exact same restaurant, and he's telling this to this guy across the booth from him. And then he tells his friend that he sees his friend by the counter being scared, which scares him. And he talks about this man in the back of this restaurant that scares him, and he says he's the one that's doing it. And his friend says, so you came here to see about a dream. And the guy goes, well, I came here to shave this on slightly feeling. His friend stands up, and the dream starts to sort of, like, become real. Um, I just wanted you guys kind of in small interpretations of that first part. Um... First off, I wanted to comment that the diner is a Denny's. Let's just get past that now because okay, the logo the logo is denny's it's okay. just, <laughs> like they call it winkies but like he's totally doing denny's secondly i don't know what the hell is going on with that guy behind the alley like that that, that dude creeps me the fuck out and that he just like appears and scares the one guy to death like literal death <laughs> and then he just disappears and then he's gone until later in the movie. I, I will say that the person who plays the bum is a woman. The actress' name is Bonnie Ahrens. And I thought that was a woman, but they kept saying it was a man. Well, she, she's probably playing a man. Um, she's best known for playing the nun in the horror movie The Nun. Oh. oh. So she really? had a thing back then that she continued to today. That's nice. Yeah. Mm, okay. That's cool. So, very cool indeed. Uh, and then, also, um, I did read there, too, um, that uh, that bum behind the Denny's slash Winkies was inspired by Lynch actually going to a Denny's and <laughs> seeing the head of a satanic church at a booth. <laughs> That's awesome. And Tuesday I, for I guess, David Lynch. <laughs> and, and Lynch said the guy was actually pretty friendly, but there was like a group of Satanists hanging out at a Denny's, having coffee. Where else, where else do Satanists hang out? I mean, Denny's is like the number one place I'd think Satanists would hang out at. Well, that and like Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. Mm. Nah, too sporty for Satanists. Too I don't sporty think, right there. I don't think Satanists aren't too sports. But they love Satan- mozzarella sticks. Satan loves sure. the mozzarella sticks and a Grand Slam breakfast. Yes. Damn right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so while these two gentlemen are there, and I should also mention too, 
that the two gentlemen at the place, one of them is played by Patrick Fischler. He's the guy who's actually telling the story. He's the character of Dan. Um, he's known for being in the movies Ghost World, Speed, and The Shadow. Yep. Yeah. Had okay. a really good role on Angel for like two or three episodes in season four. Oh, really? Always shows up doing weird, eccentric people. Yeah. And did recently, there's a movie called The Standoff at Sparrow Creek that is really good about a militia. He's in that as well, and he's fantastic in it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I noticed that he just done like a lot of TV show work. And I'm like, oh, I remember that show. I remember that show. Don't remember him in that show, but I remember that show. So Yeah, oh. if you were to take all of his roles and just crossed out the names of the characters and wrote eccentric, that would be him. Okay. <laughs> and the other guy who's sitting with them is the character of Herb, played by Michael Kirk. And the only uh, movie that I recognize being in his filmography was Showgirls. Oh. Oh, really? Which is... This, is, show, this is Showgirls, huh? Yep. <laughs> he, he's, like, he's like other movies, too, but like I don't recognize the titles, but I saw Showgirls. I'm like, oh, okay. Hell yeah. What a, what a filmography. Well, sometimes in a filmography, Jason, that's all you really need sometimes is just Showgirls. Yeah. I mean, he got to work with two of the greatest directors of the 21st century, so good on him. Hey, yeah, exactly. That. Hell Yeah. Uh, and then we get to the sequence where both uh, Herb and Dan are in the alleyway and they're making their way to the section behind where the dumpster is. And I don't know about you gentlemen, but this is one sequence that no matter how many times I see it, it still makes me jump. Yeah, yeah, I... Uh... When when you said when what we were going to be watching through and you mentioned it as a jump scare, I didn't think of it that way. But then when I was watching it again this time, I was surprised by how far I jumped off my seat when it happened. It was <laughs> oh, about nice. three inches. <laughs> See, did you jump this time, Jason? I, no, I know I'm. I don't get scared that easily. That's why I watch a lot of horror movies and I'm okay. And I was more of just like waiting for it, and it was like, then it happened, and I was like, oh, there it is. But no, I didn't jump or get scared or anything. What, do you flinch? Uh, not at movies, no. I mean, okay. maybe once in a while, like, you know, if something really suddenly does happen. Like The Conjuring. Anything that happened during The Conjuring, I did flinch or get scared at. Uh, but most other movies, like, no, I don't really fall for jump scares. Like, uh, I would say that sequence and the moment in Jaws where the head appears in the boat is the moments that always... I can see. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes it, sense. I, like, I don't, like, scream, but I get, like, jolted. Like, oh, I, I know it's coming, but where I think it's happening, it doesn't, and then it appears when I least expect it, and then I'm like, oh, there you are, you fucker. Head. <laughs> fucking shark and shit. Ah. Yes. Um... Yeah, so that we get to the end of that sequence, and then after that, there is a scene where a bunch of telephone calls are being made, and each person yeah. is saying, the girl is missing. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, kind of the last thing I want to talk about. Uh, what is your take on this? It's, like, some sort of, like, mysterious corporation that's happening? Well, this seems to be centered around... I, we're, I know we're not exactly there yet, but uh, this seems to be centered around a movie being made, and 
some shady organization really wants a certain girl to be cast into it. And then at the same time, I think they're looking for uh, the the girl that was in the car accident at the beginning, and they really need her for a reason that we won't get into yet. But uh, I, I I believe they're talking about her, like the, the girl in the car accident, and probably need her for the reason. <laughs> yeah, they're concerned that this girl's missing. That she was on her way to some sort of like casting party, or, or something. Yeah, something. I mean, even even something more sinister or, too. She, I kind of thought that she'd be involved, like in the casting couch sort of thing. Uh, maybe they were going to try to like um, solicit her into like the that, and, that could be, or it could be. Uh, she could have been the girl that they originally wanted, but because she went missing, they went with the the Camille girl. Yeah, that could be okay. Uh, so we get the sequence there of like um them calling, and then at the last place they call is I think our first appearance of the Red Lamp. The Red Lamp, yes. Yep. So we're we're seeing that there, so we we're kind of noticing those particular clues right there. Uh, now I mentioned before. Uh, what were the two clues that were revealed before the opening credits for their first clue? Um, I think the first thing might have something to do with the, uh, with the dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's like the first clue is, uh, you know, something to do with the dancing, uh, and how it ties to, um, Naomi Watts' character. And then I think the second clue is that whole the bed sequence. Okay, like the kind of waking up and yeah, going back into another dream, that sort of thing, right there. Okay. And then um, I, I, I this I read. Someone pointed out that um, the sign, the road sign, doesn't say Muholland Drive. It says Muholland Dr. And that you can take that to mean Muholland Dream. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting when I saw that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That that that's a different take right there. I, I did yeah. that. I don't know, Ryan. You got any other like kind of takes on that opening uh, sequence as well as the other ones we described so far? Yeah. Well, the the flash frames of Naomi Watts and who could possibly be her parents, her grandparents. I don't know. It's not typically clear, but it is also something that resurfaces at the very end of the film. As mm. some kind of like thematic bookend, mm-hmm. but I couldn't honestly tell you what it was supposed to mean. And am I mistaken that those same old people were the same old people that came out of the airport with Miami Watts? Yes, we're uh, gonna get, yes, yeah, we are going to get to them on most likely the the next episode. So yes, we're going to be okay. very uh, excited about that. Um, yeah, now. As I mentioned before, okay, so that sequence I described about the Winkies dance sequence, that's cut out of the pilots. So if you watch the pilot, it just begins with the uh, the car ride, the accident, the girl getting into the house, and then basically we cut right away out to where uh, Betty, the appearance of Betty, shows up. And uh, Betty will make her appearance on our next episode. We're going to close the map right now on that particular sequence um but before we go i actually have some a lot of great people 
reached out on both Twitter as well as our uh, Facebook group, Crack. And so I'm going to read some of you. These uh, these are viewers' picks on their favorite David Lynch movies. All right? So Cult Connections, uh, which is at Connections Cult, said, uh, It's Dune. It's Dean in his leather underpants all the way for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can you so, argue with the man? I mean, come on. That's true. He's right. <laughs> uh, and then Sci-Fi Punks Podcast, at Sci-Fi underscore Punks, said, From what I've seen, probably Dune, so I haven't seen much. And I say I like Dune. <laughs> that's a little unfair to Dune, but hey, I mean, you got two in a row that would say Dune, so that says something. Yeah. Uh, Howard Kastner of uh, Popper Fame said, when I first saw Mulholland Drive, it didn't work for me. Then I read the first part is the dream and the second reality. At that point, my mind exploded, and upon rewatching, realized it was a masterpiece and my favorite David Lynch movie. So, thank you, Howard. Uh, Chris at BrewFan004 said The Elephant Man. Ryan L. Terry of Forza Crowd Podcast, find him at RLTerry1. Said Mulholland Drive. LL Kendall at Femme Noir 3 said Lost Highway. Good one. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah. Very well. Actually, yeah, we mentioned for the last episode, too. This is like probably the prequel to Mulholland Drive. <laughs> it does feel like yeah. a prequel. It does, it's, yeah. It's the testing ground for the ideas that would eventually come to fruition in this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Fallen Films uh, at Fallen underscore Films said Wild at Heart. Very cool choice. Uh, I'm actually seeing Wild at Heart tomorrow in 35mm at the oh, Heights Theater. So uh, lucky. So oh, very, nice. very excited to watch that. Um, so yeah, big thank you to everyone who... Oh, and then also I had some responses on our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is called Crack, which stands for Cinema Recalls um, Awesome Cinematic Club. And so I had some people... So I put up to there... What's your favorite favorite David Lynch movies? Only had two responses. So uh, Jordan Jetsky, buddy of mine, band member for Scale of None that I'm in, he said, Wild at Heart, Eraserhead, and Dune. And then Dave also said Blue Velvet because he put a post of Heiken, fuck that shit, Pap's Blue Ribbon, (laughs) (laughs) Blue Velvet, which is probably, you know, one of my favorite quotes of that movie um love it completely uh so yeah so that's it for kind of our first section here for maholland drive before we go i want our guests to sort of like plug shows they're working on or anything they want to share uh so i'll start with you jason please post share away you have a book that's out now (laughs) yes yes i do so please plug that please plug whatever yeah, okay, so the book is uh, – I wrote a, a, a series of uh, time travel science fiction uh, short stories basically. Uh, it's called Time in My Hands. Uh, volumes 1 and 2 and 3 uh, are out. Uh, you can get them on Amazon. And uh, if you're into time travel, if you're a time travel geek like I am, I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, my podcast is called Whatever with Jason Soto. It's a comedy podcast that I do with my friend 
uh, Mary Mitchell. I do it uh, every week. She was a former guest on this show last month. Mm-hmm. She did Barry Lyndon with Vern. Uh, talk about a boring movie that I have no interest in seeing, but you guys made it sound interesting. So, oh, thank you, Jason. So, so kudos to you guys. Um, but yeah, we just do silly stuff. We just talk about whatever comes to mind. You know, news, nostalgia, pop culture, music. We play games sometimes. Uh, just literally, literally whatever. We just do whatever we want for an hour and a half, and then uh, uh, we call it a day. So you can check that out on uh, Spotify Anchor. Uh, or uh, my brand new uh, podcast production website called Rabbit Hole Podcasts. Uh, you can find that at rabbitholepodcast.com. Very cool. And I think for our next series, our next movies we're going to do, Jason, we're going to find a movie that's really exciting and really bold and daring <laughs> and thrilling. And we're well, going to make yeah. a podcast really boring and dull. Yeah. No, you're doing – we're doing Mulholland Drive. That's making up for Barry Lyndon right there. So, yeah, we're all good. But we're not making it boring. I hope we're not making it boring. No, we're not making it boring. You're, you're, you're making to, up. I need to find a movie that's like really fun and exciting. All right, fine. We'll do, our, we'll do Armageddon so, then. Jeez, you talked me into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another fucking explosion. God damn. So bored of this. Guns in space. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big shout out here to you, Ryan Luis Rodriguez. Of course, Chronicles, Rules of Justice. What's going on with you, good sir? Uh, well, I also have a book. It's called The Da Vinci Code. They spelled my name wrong on the cover, but it's a fantastic book. Uh, and then I also have uh, two podcasts, as Vern mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, The Coolness Chronicles, which is about to wrap up mm-hmm. uh, three years on Mystery Science Theater 3000, where I do uh, oh. the entire history and legacy of the show from oh, beginning wow. to end. Uh, by the time this... Start, by the time this drops, I'll be starting a four-part miniseries on the Toy Story franchise Ooh. that is very similar to the previous podcast in terms of style, but in terms of uh, information, very different. And then I also co-host uh, Reels of Justice, which Vern has been on twice, mm-hmm. uh, where we take a movie in a fake court and put it on trial to determine if it's guilty of being a bad movie. We have a judge, a jury, a prosecutor, a defender. It is uh, as much fun as it is aggravating to make. (laughs) Jason, you should think about being on that show. I was on that show to defend Scrooge and Howard the Duck. Why does anyone got to defend Scrooge? That's like the best Christmas movie of all time, next to Die Hard. Oh, you should listen to it. Yeah, you're not going to like what I say on that episode very much. Spoiler, spoiler warning, I lost that case. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I kicked Scrooge. Vern's butt. It oh, was very fun. much so. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of the other show, The Clones Chronicles, I was on his most recent episode. That's right. There. You were on my series finale episode. Yep. Uh, talking about the flick Looney Tunes back in action. So right. Definitely Good time. Definitely out on all your favorite podcasting app choices. Yep. Uh, Wherever you can find this show, you can find me. That's right. I will post links to everyone's shows and our show notes. Of course, you can listen to all of our past episodes of Cinema Recall, and I really, really appreciate that you do. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Just type in your little search engine, Cinema Recall. We are there for you. We are on the Twitter sphere at Cinema underscore Recall. Facebook, Cinema Recall Podcast. Don't forget about our Facebook group, Crack, Cinema Recall's Awesome Cinematic Club, where we just post different weird, crazy things 
about movies, uh, please give us a review on like Podchaser or Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, please support us on Patreon because I need to find and buy a new microphone. Of course, that's patreon.com slash cinema recall pod. A uh, quick little shout out here to our wonderful Patreon supporters. Uh, first of all, I'm going to thank Jeanette Miller Mickenham at aka Jeanette on Twitter. Thank you, Jeanette. Want to thank uh, Matt and Ashley from Mashley at the Movies. Thank you very much. I believe that's uh, at Mashley Movies on Twitter. Want to give a shout out here to Donnie Roberts, formerly of Cage's Kiss, now of a new podcast. And this is, I'm, oh gosh, they're going to come right now. But Donnie Roberts at Unreal Goals. I'm sorry, Donnie. I'm blanking on the name of your new podcast show. But you can find Donnie on Twitter at Unreal Goals. So I at least got that part right. Uh, and then another big shout out here to, of course, our co-host for this series here, Jason Soto of Whatever with Jason Soto. Thank you so much for your support, Jason. You're most welcome. Thank you for supporting me. Yes, very much there, folks. Uh, anyways, this is going to be the end of our part one of Mulholland Drive. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll continue more of our map of Mulholland Drive. Also, if you stake to our Patreon page, I will be posting short audio reviews of other Dave Lynch features. So our bonus episode this week will be on The Elephant Man. So come to our Patreon page. Check that out. And that is all. Uh, gentlemen, final last words. One word. Ryan, go. Last word. Last word? One, one word. Cowboy. Cowboy. All right, Jason, one word. Lesbian. Lesbians. <laughs> I lesbians you too. All right, hey, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jason. How you doing today, gentlemen? Awesome. Uh, I'm okay, I guess. You okay? You okay? What's wrong? Yeah. What's wrong, no, Ryan? no, just stuff. No, nothing. Okay. Just stuff. Just stuff. Stuff just sucks. Stuff. Yeah, stuff does suck. Fucking stuff. Get the fuck out of your stuff. <laughs> I think you're special or something because you're stuff. Fuck off. Fucking elitist attitude stuff. I know, uh, right? Fucking stand, you assholes. Get the fuck out of here.